Well, good morning. Uh, it's really, it's really great to be with you guys today. Um, I have the honor of talking about a sermon topic in our sermon series. We've been talking about uh, the a vision series, just talking about who we are as a vineyard church. And I'm going to talk today about where we came from. Um, but before we do that, I, I just wanted to share a milestone with you guys, a big moment in my life. I have a fashion idol that I look up to, and I recently, it was my birthday recently, and I, I got this sweater, and it was the final piece of the puzzle in living up to my fashion idol, and that fashion idol is Billy Crystal. <laughs> it was a big moment for me. I've wanted this outfit for years now. And it's, thank you, thank you. So, I, I've sort of arrived, and I am happy, and I feel blessed this morning. Um, so, I'm really happy to be with you all. Uh, but before we move on, I think we should pray after that, yeah. Um, God, I, I just thank you that uh, you're a God that is so welcoming and so inviting, and you don't put um, stress, worries, demands on us that feel like a weight. You take that weight onto yourself and you give us your easy yoke. And so I just pray that we live into that easiness this morning, that we live into that lightness. Um, may you just come and speak to us this morning. May you plant seeds in our hearts. May you plant seeds of your kingdom everywhere. And may your kingdom break in this morning. Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, so I've been really excited about this, but I will say I, I suggested I, I, I'm, I'm part of the uh, preaching team, and I really wanted to do a whole sermon series of where we came from, and I got one sermon. So um, I had to pack a lot in, and I apologize for that, and it made me really, I had to really think about how I was going to approach this morning, what where I was going to come from with it, because there's so much to talk about when we talk about our history as a, as a vineyard church, but more so as a vineyard movement. And so uh, if I don't get it all right, I apologize. Blame Marshall. Um, thanks. Uh, but I wanted to talk about this because for me, knowing where we come from is so important for knowing who we are now, and then also where we're going to be heading to. Um, if we don't know where we come from, it's really hard to know how we need to be planted in ourselves in the present, as well as getting a general direction of where we need to be moving in the forward, forward in the future. Um, my experience as an immigrant actually has really... Um, played such a pivotal, pivotal part in um, forcing me to really grapple with where I came from because it's so easy for that to get lost when you move countries or even states. It's so easy to forget where you come from and it's so easy to forget ways of being and ways of doing things that are still present with you but your mind forgets but your body still remembers a little bit. And so... When we remember where we come from, we start to get a clearer picture of where we are today. Jesus calls us to remember in the Bible. We just, um, we just had communion together, and communion in communion, Jesus calls us 
to remember him, remember his story, remember what he did on the cross. And so this picture of constantly going back and seeing where we came from is really important as disciples. It's really important to know where we come from, to know how we are grounded today, and how and what compass we are given to um, have an idea of where we need to move for, moving forward. Um, I have a scripture verse that I am daring to say is probably, um, I don't want to say encompasses the vineyard in its entirety, but I think it's a scripture verse that really speaks to who we are as a movement. And it's um, a scripture verse in Luke. I hope we have it. Uh, there we go. Luke four eighteen to 19. And Jesus is speaking and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, I'm not trying to say that's, that's it, but I think that scripture verse really speaks to the stream that the vineyard is in and the stream that the vineyard continues to move in. It sort of speaks to the narrative that we have as a movement body. Um, out of interest, just show of hands, how, are you, how many of you are really familiar with the story of the vineyard, the history of the vineyard? Okay, cool, that's good to know. Um, if you're really interested in the history and you like to nerd out and you like to read and you've got a ton of times on your, time on your hands or you like waking up at four in the morning and you're like, I don't know what to do, uh, here, here's some things for you to do. Okay, um, there's these three books that really have... Um, that I really drew on for the sermon, but also that I just really appreciate and really recommend. The Quest for the Radical Middle is just a real good history of the vineyard movement. Glenn Schroeder is actually a pastor down in, um, in Portland, and he wrote a book, Never Trust a Leader Without a Limp, uh, The Wit and Wisdom of John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard movement. And then Doing Church is a book by Alexander Fenter, and it's his attempt to sort of talk about the vineyard as a is a church and what's valuable to it. So highly recommend those books. But this morning, I decided it would be really cool to find out and get a perspective from three different type of people that are involved in the vineyard movement. One person that came in to the vineyard had no idea what the vineyard was. In fact, didn't go to the vineyard because they thought it was a literal, literal winery building, in the building, and for the longest time just thought it was a winery in the building until they searched churches in the area and the vineyard popped up and she was very confused. So I, the amount of times I've heard that, by the way, it, it's we would probably have a much bigger movement if we weren't called the vineyard. Um, but she described her experience of coming into the vineyard like this. Uh, she had a Catholic, she grew up Catholic, um, and didn't really attend church since childhood. Uh, but what really drew her to the vineyard was a laid-back and approachable church where the theology was simple yet rich. There was a welcoming, come-as-you-are atmosphere, a close family feel. It was a place where they could be authentic, and she said she felt a genuine love of God, a genuine love of God. 
So if, you're, if you've been visiting us or if you've joined us and you've had no experience, and I've heard that um, be quite a common one in just there's such a relational feel to our church. If you have been joining us, there's probably a good possibility you're with us because of Johnny, our kid's pastor too. Uh, he's amazing. And we also have amazing coffee and we serve, <laughs> um, we serve food in the morning, which I don't want to discount. I bet that's also a factor in a lot of people joining. My personal story um, is a little bit different. So I grew up in a um, Pentecostal circles um, that really, uh, on the extreme side, I would say, and I went to a vineyard church in South Africa for a small bit, but I was between the ages of seven and ten. And then when I moved to the States, I, I joined a vineyard church, but I would say the church wasn't in the, the best place. But where I really found a, a sense of home was actually going to vineyard conferences um, around the country. And I just wanted more because I, I really liked what the vineyard was saying um, and when I went to these conferences, I was just overwhelmed by just same thing, such a welcoming and accepting presence where I wasn't being judged. Um, I could be who I was. I could be authentic because I watched other people be authentic. No one was trying to be perfect. Um, I was like, wow, these people are really being vocal about their flaws. Um, if anything, they were boasting about them a little bit. It was a little bit weird. I kept on hearing stories about people failing and I was like, why are you guys telling me about your failures? Um, and they were almost proud of it. And I was like, what? This is weird. Um, so I, I, I really, I, I heard this one story about this guy who really thought he heard a word from God and then got slapped <laughs> um, because he said the wrong thing. And I was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that. But he was so open about being so wrong about it. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, and it was in that same place where I just saw people really seek out the Spirit without any hype. There was no hype. Um, I saw the Spirit move without a band playing, which I'd never seen before in my life. Um, there always had to be really high crescendoed music for the Spirit to move growing up. And the Spirit would only really enter the room at the peak of the song um, and then would leave after that. So for me, it was pretty surreal to be saturated in the Spirit's presence when there was nothing else going on. Um, at the same time, they were preaching from the Bible. <laughs> um, and they really took the Bible seriously at these conferences. And I was like, wow, this is refreshing. One of the biggest ones was actually just speaking about the kingdom of God. Up until then, this was like I was 24, 23 years old. I had never heard a sermon about the kingdom of God before, which is crazy because it's all over. The, it's all Jesus talks about <laughs> is the kingdom of God. It's all over the New Testament scriptures. Um, and this phrase that kept on being spoken about was this idea of being a fool for Christ. And I also never encountered that idea. Like, we want to be fools for Christ. And the idea is that we're going to be a fool for someone. Like, no matter who we are, we're going to be a fool for someone or something. We may as well be a fool for Christ. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So that was, that's my story. 
I also asked someone who had grown up in the vineyard, who had seen the highs and lows of the vineyard, the good and the bad. And I asked them, what are, when the vineyard was at its best, what was it like? And they said, it was very relational and community-centric. Everyone was welcome and immediately were invited to get involved. Everyone got to play. Everyone had a part. No one was excluded. And if there wasn't a part, we'd make one. There was a sense of home and belonging. Um, and there was a sense where they didn't take themselves too seriously. There was a fun, playful atmosphere where people didn't take themselves too seriously and people just wanted to have fun and create a warm atmosphere in the room. So you've probably picked up on some common themes throughout and there's a good chance that if you've come in from the vineyard from the outside and uh, you have no idea about the vineyard movement, that's great, awesome. Um, there's a good chance that that's probably being attracted to you. There's a saying where you don't become a vineyard, like um, you find out you are a vineyard because there's a sense of you haven't really felt like you've belonged anywhere else. And so when you do step in, there's like, oh, yeah, this feels like natural to me. Now, with all that being said, I want to hold on to the fact that that is why I joined the vineyard. That's why other people joined the vineyard, because of those reasons. And I also want to hold on to the fact that we have some serious flaws. It wouldn't be just to talk about the vineyard without talking about our flaws, because we have a ton. Okay. First of all, when we started out, we were probably 99% white. We were terrible at diversity. In fact, I think they thought they were diverse because they had hippies in their congregation, and that was the level of diversity, which back then, to be fair, was quite a big deal. But since then, there's been a huge emphasis on creating diverse communities within the vineyard because there's been a recognition that there's been such a lack of emphasis on diversity. Uh, we are terrible with structure. We try everything to not be structured. Um, and we come from a place where there wasn't a ton of emphasis on good leadership development. Um, after John Wimber died, the, the uh, founder of the vineyard died, the vineyard went through a really rough patch where we didn't know what to do because there was nothing in place to provide good leadership development. Uh, this is personal to me, uh, but we didn't know what a sacrament was 40 years ago. Um, and uh, I've been to a lot of vineyard churches that celebrated communion twice a year, right, on Easter and Christmas, and um, didn't really have any theology for the sacrament. And um, when we did start, we also didn't recognize women in leadership, uh, it's only been more recently that there's been a big push for to recognize women pastors. And since then, we've made some huge strides. There's been women that have planted ch vineyard churches, which has been amazing. But it's definitely been a limitation. Now, I say all this because I'm a big believer of naming what's happening. I don't believe in trying to cover stuff up or not talk about stuff. But I think this is true, and I think this is real. And I think it's just realistic to know that we're not all amazing. We're not all terrible. We're both and. We're good and bad. We're really good at some stuff. Some stuff we're not really good at. And it's okay. Uh, 
because every single other movement is like that. And But what we can do is we can know that this movement was birthed by a move of God. And it was birthed by the Spirit moving amongst people willing to take risks. Um, and he, the Spirit was moving in a time and a place and a culture. And some of what we come to know now as being so important to who we are as a vineyard came from that time. And you can make direct links from who we are to what was going on back then. So, for instance, our huge thirst and hunger for the Holy Spirit and God's presence comes from a time when there was a recognition in the church in America where we sort of neglected the Holy Spirit. And there was a sort of time in that place where we were going, well, the Holy Spirit still moves today, we think. And then what happened was there was a bunch of people that started inviting the Holy Spirit to be present and move amongst their congregations, John Wimber, our founder, being one of them. And then things started to happen. Healing started to take place. People started to receive prophecies that ended up coming true. Um, people were freed from spirits and demons. And um, God shook up his church. People didn't know what to do. Um, the reason why relationships are so important to us is because we come from a people who were mostly hippies. And I thank God for that because guess what hippies were so good at? Relationships. Oh, my gosh. It, um, there's a movie that I also want to recommend. It's called The Jesus Revolution. Highly recommend it. Um, but there, there's, the Vineyard also did a podcast on it um, afterwards, and they had some founders from the Vineyard um, and people who were there talk about it. And something that just kept on coming up and up for them was this pure sense of love for one another and closeness with one another. And so we come from this place where um, I, we come from this place where relationships were core to the move of God, and that it wasn't absent but actually integral to how God was moving. And then we also come from an evangelical stream, which cherished the Bible, took the Bible seriously. The Bible was seen as the Word of God, and so what was unique was that we were saying. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God can move, and we can take the Bible seriously. We don't have to put them against one another. Uh, there was a famous uh, question that someone posed to John Wimber when the Spirit was moving, and they were like, "Well, how do you know that the? How do you know you where you've gone too far with the Spirit? How do you know when the when it's?" gone past the point of the spirit moving and it's people doing weird things and John Wimber held up a Bible and he was like if anything goes past the Bible that's not the spirit moving and so we can have both and uh, the non-hype that is so important where we don't believe we have to conjure up the spirit uh, when, when I was uh, in one of my churches growing up uh, I really struggled with the amount of hype that we were continually doing in the youth group. We, we had to make these grand events to bring people in. And when I spoke to my youth pastor about it, I was like, this feels really inauthentic to me. And he compared it to a sports game. And he was like, well, every sports game 
rugby, okay, rugby is a big thing in South Africa. So he was like, think about a rugby game. You have to you have to conjure up hype to bring people to the thing, and then that's where God works. And I fundamentally disagree with that. Fundamentally disagree with that. And I think that non-hypeness is our reliance on the spirit to move, not us to make the spirit move. And do you know where that comes from? That comes from Quaker roots. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, John Wimber started out in Quaker circles, and imperative to Quaker theology is waiting on the spirit in silence and not doing anything until the spirit moves. That's where we get our sense of non-hyped from. I could go on. I'll, I'll do one more. But um, our resistance to structure, which I think hasn't been the best, uh, but our resistance to call ourselves a denomination or anything comes from the time and place where there was a huge move against any type of uh, structural, both in the church where... Uh, the church just seemed really stiff at that time, and all it was was about structure, and you couldn't move. You had to, you had to wear a suit and tie. You couldn't come to church in shorts. Uh, you wouldn't see Jace in a vineyard. Uh, by the way, I we started coming here in December, and I walked in, and I just see this dude walking in shorts past me, and I was like, "What is going on? Um, it's thirty degrees." Um, I, I was so confused, and that was like a culture shock. But honestly, like, we, like it was a time when like, pastors were wearing um, Hawaiian shirts and shorts on stage, which was huge back then. Like, could you imagine? That was crazy back then. And so there was this real move to resist any type of saying that we had to dress up to please God or anything like that. So I could go on, but I think you get the drift, Right. All these values and these things that we carry on today have been passed down specifically and can be tied to where we come from. So that begs the question, how do we think about where we are today and where we're going? Well, I've gone ahead and solved that for us, so you're welcome. Um, I'm just joking. But from reading a ton of literature on this because it's something that's really important to me, mostly because I feel like the vineyard has given me so much. And I really think that um, it's really important. So there's four things that I think can help um, as we move forward and we think about these things. And the first one was um, there will always be um, a welcoming and pursuing of the Spirit while holding the Bible as the Word of God. I think even though that was amidst a time and culture, I think that will always be true for us. And I hope that's something that never leaves us and our identity of who we are. I think I've got a slide um, for it. And in that, um, in that we've got spiritual gifts. We've got emphasizing the kingdom of God. We've got signs and wonders. And we've got healing. One of the geniuses that came about during that time was looking back and seeing how the Spirit had always moved throughout church history. And even though it hadn't been recognized as much back then, there was this rediscovery that, hang on, the Spirit's still alive today. The Spirit didn't stop moving after Jesus was resurrected and went up to be with heaven. And so this value of 
pursuing the Spirit and holding on to the Bible as the Word of God grounds our reality today, emphasizing the kingdom of God. Uh, by the way, that new song that we sang, oh my gosh, that was probably the most, the best theological song I've ever sung. That was incredible, and I can't believe they sang that for the sermon because the kingdom of God is always going to be central to our theology as a vineyard movement. Um, recognizing that Jesus came, Jesus is present, and the kingdom breaks in from the future now, and the kingdom is still going to be coming and be fulfilled when Jesus returns and renews the whole earth, and heaven and earth come together once again. I, the, something that was also pretty pivotal with me was this idea that the kingdom of God is coming from the future, which is weird to think about. And so when the kingdom breaks in, it's not like a top-down, it's a, it's a forward-backwards movement. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a bit of the world from the future breaking in, giving us a taste of the kingdom to come. We get a foretaste of what we can expect. Peace, love, justice, mercy, grace, and ultimately to be with Jesus. Um, secondly, I think what's always going to be important to us, given where we come from, is that we will always be outwardly focused. And what do I mean by that? Well, um, I think it's on the next slide. Um, ministry to the poor. Uh, this has always been central to who we are. Um, we don't experience God's presence, and then hold it onto ourselves. The idea has always been we experience God's presence and God directs us outwards. God's not trying to say, hey, you guys got to hunker down. There's this analogy that has become quite popular like for Christians in our society today is, well, we've got to get a, a, our oxygen masks on too before we help other people. And I don't really agree with that. I think God asks us to go out anyways and to help others. Um, we have always been a movement that is going to take a risk for the sake of others, for the sake of our city, for the sake of our neighborhood, for the sake of others. Why? Because our lives have been sorted already. Like we're, in a way, we're already dead. We do not have to fear death anymore. God is taking care of our lives. Our job now is to go and love and serve others the people around us. Um, evangelism. Uh, there's a book, a powerful book by John Wimber called Power Evangelism, and it's the idea that we can go out into the streets and we can talk to anyone about Jesus and we can also hear the Holy Spirit outside of the building, follow the Spirit outside of these walls. Equipping the saints and church planting. Uh, when I was at a really nerdy vineyard theological conference and we were all like discussing what does it mean to be the vineyard um, and no one came up with the right answer but I did think that someone said something that was really important and that was this idea that um, part of what was unique about the vineyard movement was we weren't trying to keep what was happening to ourselves if anything um, there were churches trying to become the vineyard, and John Wimber was saying, no, stay in your denomination. Like, we're not trying to build this thing top up. We're trying to go outward. And so there were Anglican churches. 
um, there were Baptist churches, there were a whole bunch of other churches that wanted to become the vineyard, and John said no. He's like, you guys can do this where you're at. You don't need to become the vineyard. And so um, there's a sense in which we are called to equip people. We're not called to just have people come and be passive. Like, we are called to equip, invite, disciple, raise up, lead. That's what we're called to do too. Um, If you're trying to create a platform for yourself, the vineyard is not the movement for you. I will just be honest about that. If you're wanting to come and boost your ego, and if you're wanting to build something for yourself, you're going to struggle here, and I'll just be honest, because our MO is to give away, not build platforms, give whatever we have away as soon as we can. Um, Taking risks and celebrating failure, I've already touched on that, Um, but I can't speak on it enough. Like, if you've gone and tried something for God's kingdom and you failed epically, please tell us, because we will put you on stage, and we will invite you to tell everyone about it. Um... But also successes. I'm not trying to say we don't want to celebrate successes. We want to celebrate successes too, just to be clear. Um, (laughs) I'm not trying to downplay successes. But we want to hear about how you are willing to hear God's voice, follow God's voice, and get it wrong anyway, and live to see another day. Uh, Third, being grounded in community and relationships. Again, I feel like I've, I've spoken on this a lot, but something that was really important in the early days was kinship groups. How many of you are around for kinship? There we go. My OGs. Okay. Um, kinship groups were small groups that were really important. A lot of what happened was from a small group of people gathering together, and one of the stories was like uh, they had just had enough of doing church and doing the programs of church, and I'm ending up now. Um, uh, and they just started to say, all, all they did was something really simple, and they said, we're going to start saying I instead of you or they. And the Spirit of God came. So when they were talking, they would say, instead of saying they are like this, they would be like, I am like this. This is where I am flawed. This is where I am struggling. Last one, worship. Uh, this will be part of our int- uh, worship through song specifically. And a sense of intimacy will always be important to the vineyard. Last, last thing I want to say is this. This is my thesis, and it's following on from John Wimbers. The vineyard is the vineyard when it doesn't try to be the vineyard. And you're like, What? Vineyard is a vineyard when it doesn't try to be the vineyard, but people of the kingdom of God. We're not trying to build the vineyard up. I could care less about the name the vineyard in a way. But what is really important is being people of the kingdom of God. The church is the only institution that doesn't exist for itself, but for God and others. If our church closed its doors today, would our community notice? And you can apply that to your individual's lives. If you move today, would people around you notice? If all the vineyards closed its doors today, the global church would carry on. God would continue doing his work in the church. But I will tell you this. I think the global church and the world needs people willing to serve their communities, 
loving their neighbors, having authentic relationship with God and one another, welcoming and pursuing the Spirit of God, providing spaces of training and equipping, and places where we can be intimate with God through worship. If the vineyard closed its doors and I couldn't find a church like that, I'd be very tempted to start one like that because that's the church I want to be a part of. Why don't you all stand with me?